Well, good morning, everyone. This is JB with Not By Works Ministries. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know Wendy and I did with our family. Just a great day to kind of relax. And uh, fortunately, we didn't get too much snow, just enough to shovel the drive, but uh, didn't have to pull out the plow. But uh, it was a great day, uh, just relaxing around the house, played some games, had some other family members in town as well. And I hope you too enjoyed uh, a great uh, day of blessing yesterday. And also hope that you continue to remain in a state of gratitude. I know that's something we're really striving to do is to be thankful every day for all that the Lord has given us. And we want to especially say thank you for all of you, the listeners, and all that uh, you mean to Not By Works Ministries. I appreciate the encouraging emails and phone calls and uh, just the way you kind of keep us motivated to keep on serving the Lord and uh, sounding the alarm in these great last days. And so today, in just a few minutes, I'm going to bring on our good friend, Randy. Most of you know Randy by now, and uh, he is uh, just an expert in uh, geopolitical events and current events and just a lot of various subjects. And he's also just a great uh, student. And so he, uh, if he doesn't know something, he studies it and has lots of great contacts and, and sources uh, in, in key places. And so we really value his intel and his information and look forward to kind of a, a weekly update from him. We're going to be uh, shooting for Fridays each week. It'll vary week to week, depending on my travel schedule and his schedule. But in general, you can look forward to once a week, hopefully Fridays, uh, hearing from Randy. But I want to remind you that uh, our Spirit of the Antichrist books are uh, still uh, available, of course. And boy, we're getting lots of traffic. I'm just, my calendar is filling up with interviews over the next, uh, between now and the end of the year. I think we've got four different uh, interviews on radio and TV stations, and we're just looking forward to uh, continuing to get that word out. It, it thrills my heart to see so many people that are uh, that are interested in uh, what is going on with the Luciferian conspiracy and all that Satan's earthly accomplices are trying to do uh, to usher in this new world order, this one world system. And uh, those books certainly lay that out in great detail. You can go to spiritoftheantichrist.org, again, spiritoftheantichrist.org, and learn all about them. You can read the preface to each book, see the table of contents for each book, and of course, order them there. And we have a lot of other great resources at our main website, notbyworks.org. If you're new to the program or new to Not By Works, uh, be sure you go to notbyworks.org and subscribe to our e-newsletters. We send out once or twice a week updates with uh, new resources that we've posted, podcasts, videos that I do several times a week, uh, some occasional devotionals. Uh, we used to do the devotionals once a week, and with my schedule the last month or so, I've had to kind of set that aside. But we do have hundreds of little short uh, one- to two-page devotionals that I've written uh, very recently, many of them, and we hope to you know continue to do that as time permits. But anyway, check out notbyworks.com. Uh, dot org. And uh, continue to covet your prayers again as we finish out the year. Pray that the Lord will provide the resources that we need and, and allow us to just finish strong this year. It's been a wonderful year with the two books and really have enjoyed interacting with many of you. Uh, but today, before we bring Randy on, I want to uh, focus our attention on a passage that I, I quote often, or at least one verse from this passage that I quote often. In fact, when I sign books, I often will put this verse in there, uh, and that is uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 5. Now, this is uh, 
really an interesting passage. It's one of Paul's earliest uh, passages, and uh, he wrote it actually on his second missionary journey in the summer of 51 AD. If you recall, he was traveling and he arrived in Corinth, uh, which he later wrote some letters back to the Corinthians as well. But while he was at Corinth, back to back in just a span of about three months, he wrote uh, the first and second letters to the Thessalonians. He had just been in Thessalonica uh, not long before he arrived in Corinth. In fact, he was in uh, Thessalonica in the winter, uh, starting in November of 50 AD through January of 51 AD. Then he went on from Thessalonica, if you recall, to Berea. Many people know the story of the Bereans who were diligently searching the scriptures. Then from there, he went to Athens, and then he arrived in Corinth in March of, of that year, 51 AD. And uh, by the time it got to be summertime in the early summer, late May, early June, he was writing 1 Thessalonians. And then shortly thereafter, he wrote 2 Thessalonians, both from Corinth. And uh, what's so significant about these letters, first of all, they were the second and third letters he wrote overall, Galatians he had written uh, about a year earlier, two years maybe at the most, 49 AD. And uh, and so they're pretty early on in Paul's ministry. But what's significant about them is that they have a lot of details about the end times, a lot of Bible prophecy revealed here in 1 Thessalonians, especially in chapters 4 and 5, where Paul reveals, for example, the doctrine of the rapture. Most students of Scripture that are familiar with and study the doctrine of the rapture know that 1 Thessalonians 4, chapters 13 to, uh, chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, is the key proof text for the rapture. It's where God reveals through the pen of Paul that Christ is going to come back and we're going to meet him in the air as the dead in Christ rise first, and then we who are alive and remain are caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. But few students uh, go to the next chapter and maybe are not quite as familiar with the next chapter. Uh, where Paul begins this way in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. Now remember, everything happens in a context here, and there were no verse and chapter divisions when Paul wrote this letter. So he's when he says, but concerning the times and the seasons, that word but connects to what he's just talked about, which is the rapture. So he, he ends his discussion of the rapture with these words, therefore comfort one another with these words. And then he says, but concerning the times and the seasons, you have no need that I should write to you. In other words, he's just taught that, that the church would be rescued uh, and they wouldn't have to endure the great day of the Lord's wrath. And then he goes right into saying, but you know, you really don't have to worry about that. You don't have any need to worry about the times and the seasons. It's the same thing, by the way, that Daniel the prophet referred to when he was talking about the future return of Christ to set up his kingdom on earth. When he said in Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, God changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. That's a great reminder, by the way, to those of us living in this present day when we see so many things happening, and Randy's going to talk about some of those in a moment, but we see the world unraveling before our very eyes. Well, let's never forget that God is the one who removes kings and raises up kings. So everything is happen happening according to God's prophetic uh, timeline. But we also see Jesus 
making the same reference to the times and the seasons on the day of ascension when he was atop the mountain about to be caught up to the right hand of the throne of God. He said to the disciples who were gathered there, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put into his own authority. Uh, he's talking there about both the length of time and specific dates. That's what the reference there to times and seasons is. So if we go back to 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, look, concerning the times and seasons, you don't have any need that I should write to you because you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, the phrase day of the Lord there sometimes confuses people because they think day in terms of 24-hour day. But the phrase day of the Lord is, is contrasted with the day of man prophetically. When you see that phrase throughout the Old Testament, it always refers to uh, a time in history characterized by God's direct working in the affairs of mankind in dramatic ways, as contrasted to man's day, where we're just doing things earthly and temporally and not supernaturally. Um, and so, you know, the the eschatological day of the Lord, the end times day of the Lord that the Old Testament prophets talk so much about, includes the tribulation and goes all the way through the millennium. It includes both judgment and blessing someday in the coming kingdom. And so the day of the Lord here is referring to God's final plan, the final steps in God's plan when Christ comes back, takes the throne and rules and reigns in perfect peace and justice. But prior to that, there will be a day of the Lord's judgment. In fact, the prophets frequently called it the day of the Lord's wrath or the great day of the Lord's wrath, speaking of that period of time. And what Paul is saying here is that, you know, the, the, for you, for us, for believers, for brothers, that's the topic verse one, you brethren don't have any need that I should write to you. That day should not catch us off guard. Uh, because we already know that we're going to be rescued before that day. In fact, he goes on to say so explicitly just a couple of verses later. So, you know, for the church, Jesus isn't coming like a thief. He's coming to rescue us. He, you know, he, he's we, we are told to be looking for and expectantly waiting the Lord's return. He's not going to be a thief. We're watching for him. But for the rest of the world, as Paul is about to explain, uh, they need to be watching and be ready. Listen to what he says. <clears throat> you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. That's talking about the rise of the Antichrist, who's going to proclaim to be the great peacemaker, and he's going to pro he's going to sign the peace treaty with Israel, according to Daniel 9, 27, and that will start the clock ticking on this period of time we've been discussing, the final seven-year period prior to the return of Christ. And as we're about to see, the church will have already been rescued by that time, and Paul is warning uh, that, that that when they when they start saying peace and safety, look out, and anybody left behind will not escape. Essentially, that's what he says. They shall not escape. In Greek, it's a double negative, emphasizing that it's nobody on earth will escape the devastation that comes. Now we know by comparing scripture with scripture that many who are left behind will come to faith in Christ. They'll believe the gospel and they'll be saved, but they will still have to endure the great devastation and destruction of that seven-year period, and many of them will be beheaded for their faith. So 
uh, let me just pause and say, if you don't know the Lord and, and by providentially you've, you've come across this podcast, let me implore you to trust in Jesus Christ today. He died and rose again to pay your penalty for sin. And the only way you can have forgiveness and be made right with God is to trust in Jesus alone as your Savior. So do that, because if you wait until after the rapture, uh, you're going to be facing some pretty intense uh, devastation upon the earth. So now listen to what Paul says to those of us that are believers. Writing to the Thessalonians, he says, Therefore, therefore, in light of this coming day of the Lord's judgment, do not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as a, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So here's what he's saying there, is that, look, we have an exhortation throughout Scripture to look up, be watchful, to be expectantly waiting for the Lord's return, to be found faithful at his return, to serve him until he comes. It's the blessed hope that Titus 2.13 talks about. And by the way, if the rapture was not going to happen until after the tribulation, as some misinformed Bible students and Bible teachers suggest, that the rapture happens after the tribulation, why would Paul continuously, and, and script, other scripture writers, the writer of Hebrews, for example, who may have been Paul, but whoever it was, repeatedly tell us to wait expectantly, to, to be looking for him? And why would Paul, even here in this passage that we're saying, tell us to be sober and be vigilant and be looking uh, for the Lord's return, if we know that it's not going to happen until after the Antichrist? <clears throat> you know, the Bible never tells us to watch for the Antichrist, not believers anyway, because we're going to already be gone before the Antichrist comes. So, you know, we have a lot of, take take a lot of interest in sort of speculating about how the stage is being set for the rise of the Antichrist. And I talk often about how it's very likely the Antichrist is alive today, just waiting to step into his role after the rapture. Uh, but we're not supposed to be wondering and watching when is the Antichrist <clears throat> going to come? But we are supposed to be waiting and wondering and watching for the Lord's return, who rescues us from this present evil age, Paul tells us in Galatians 1.4. So God has not appointed us to wrath, but we're going to obtain deliverance from the great day of the Lord's wrath through the rapture. And so, uh, you know, we know even if we're not awake like we're supposed to be, any even sleepy Christians that are ignoring the signs of the times and blinded by the deception that is sweeping the world, if they know the Lord Jesus, Paul says, you know, we're going to meet the Lord someday and we'll live together with him, but we don't want to be asleep. We want to be awake, and that's what he's saying. Uh, you know, be awake. Brethren, you are not in the darkness that this day should overtake you. You're sons of the light not sons of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. So sometimes, and by the way, he, he ends this passage just like he did the passage on the rapture that I referenced a moment ago by saying, therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. So sometimes people ask me, Randy, why do we talk so much about current events and geopolitical events? And why are we surveying the landscape and sort of seeing the way things are happening? Well, we're commanded to. To put it quite bluntly, we are commanded to. Uh, you know, the, the verbs there in Greek in this passage, 1 Thessalonians 4, are in the imperative. 
they are commands, uh, you know, comfort each other and edify each other by recognizing as sons of the day what's happening in the darkness and, and, and knowing that this means that the return of the Lord to rapture his church is closer than ever before. So I just wanted to kind of walk through that passage briefly and just remind people that what we do here at Not By Works uh, in terms of our urgency, accuracy, and clarity of the gospel fits perfectly like a hand in glove with what God's word tells us to do. We're supposed to be proclaiming the gospel until he comes, and we're supposed to also be sounding the alarm as children of the day and letting people know, hey, he's coming soon. So lots going on in the world, Randy. I know uh, You've been kind of keeping your eye on things, and uh, so I want to just kind of turn it over to you now. Welcome to the program. As always, we sure appreciate you. Uh, what have you got for us? Well, everybody enjoyed their Thanksgiving holiday. We have Christmas and New Year's to look forward to, and this has always been my favorite part of the year. Um, after that, you know, we don't have much football left, and we have a dry spell until football begins again. But anyway, I... Hey, Randy, are you there? Can you hear me? Yep, you are cutting in and out there. Sorry about that. I'm not sure right. if it's a I bad think I put my finger over the microphone. Yeah, yeah stay, stay, stay close to the microphone if you can. Sorry about that. Okay. All right. Anyway, the holiday season has always been my favorite. I've looked forward to it all 65 years of my life. And I'd like to think we have more ahead of us, but I guess we'll see. I've been watching the headlines very closely in the last few days because there are a lot of things in the headlines in different areas of the world or areas of the world that talk about the United States that nobody really addresses in the United States. So a couple of things that I saw this morning, our friend Vladimir Putin now wants to increase his, um, I guess I'd call it conscription for lack of a better word, of soldiers to 2 million rather than 300,000. He wants to have um, 2 million new soldiers, 300,000 women. He wants that to progress as fast as it possibly can. He's announced that very shortly, probably the first of the year, they will put um, the major cities in Russia into lockdown and declare martial law. And everybody's thinking right now that, well, maybe he's getting ready to retire and move along. And that could very well be. There are two gentlemen behind him. One is named Karyenko, the other is Petrushev, and they are worse than Mr. Putin. They are hardliners. They believe that he is not doing enough to crush the Ukraine, and they seem to be at the forefront of who could take over for him. So kind of watch what happens in the Ukraine, because I do believe that their offensive is going to start sometime in the next four weeks. The temperature in beautiful Ukraine is not quite cold enough to freeze the roads, but it's getting close. In the meantime, Russia continues their bombardment of Western uh, Ukraine by missiles, drones, etc., And the power grid is to the point where Mr. Zelensky is trying to tell his people, leave now. He knows how dire it is. There is no electricity. There is no water. Um, if we remember a year ago when the mass exodus occurred, going into Poland, Romania, and every other country, they're now expecting another exodus of somewhere between three and 10 million people in the next six weeks. Now, I don't know where those people are going to go, and I don't know how they're going to get there since there is no transportation, 
they're under constant bombardment, but times are dire. I was listening to a lady yesterday that lives in Europe. She travels around in her car giving broadcasts when she can to forewarn everybody about what's coming. They expect a major offensive. They expect Russia to come through if Zelensky does not, if he doesn't surrender, they believe that Russia will move all the way through Ukraine and take the entire country. Right now, he wants the southern part. Now, let me interject here. So that's a lot of people that he is recruiting and planning to increase the size of his boots on the ground. What are the implications of that? I mean, it's, to me, it can only be one thing that he's expecting a, a much broader military campaign of some site of some sort, right? Well, I believe he is preparing instead of last year, like just throwing somebody in there thinking he could wipe out the country, make his moves and do it in a short time period. I think he's preparing for the worst. But I also think he is preparing an army to move to the east. I believe that uh, Ukraine is going to be the first. Then they're going to continue down through Moldova and Bulgaria, as we talked before. And it's interesting, the power outages, the shortages of food, everything else are now into Moldova. They have no electricity. They have no water. There are blackouts. So things are taking place there also. But I find it interesting when I do my research on Russia every week. Um, if we go back to August of 2021, originally, Mr. Putin had planned on attacking Japan. The Kuril Islands between Russia and Japan uh, had been a dispute for many, many, many years. There are Russian troops in there. There are Chinese troops in there. And the Japanese say they still own them. Now, the FSB, which is the intelligence arm of the Russians, made an anonymous report to the Chinese and to the Americans warning them a year, well, last August of 21, that they were going to be attacked. But there was a sudden pivot. They left the Japan idea and moved into the Ukraine. Now, when you stop and think about that, you wonder, what, why, did, why did they do that? What made them think about doing that? Uh, are they still planning on moving into Japan? But then I look at the state of North Korea. North Korea is becoming very bellicose, very belligerent, and warning that they're not talking. They don't want negotiations. They want certain things. Uh, we look at their nuclear missile program. We look at their army. We look at their air force. They're prepared to move at any time. So with Russia moving into the Ukraine, which I believe is going to have much more significance in the very near future, um, we have to keep at the back of our mind, why were they going to start with Japan and change their mind? Did the Chinese change their mind? Did the Russians all of a sudden go, that can't be our goal. We don't have enough troops in the east of Russia. We don't have the um, Air Force, the ships and everything else. So they left that. We'll just leave that there for right now, because I think we'll find out more next week or two. Well, another yeah. another thing that I think, uh, and you may come on the uh, on this, so I apologize if I'm jumping the gun a bit, but I saw something in the news this week that Israel sent a message to Russia that they're planning to supply ballistic missiles to Ukraine if needed. And boy, when you ever, whenever you see Israel and Russia in the same headline, I mean, that's got to call your attention to the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war, uh, which again, just sort of seems to be setting the stage for that future battle. What, what do you know about that? 
Well, I've been researching that since we had briefly talked about that. The thing is, Russia and Israel have been getting along pretty well. But with them providing aid to Ukraine, that's going to change in a hurry. And another thing that happened at the same time, certain parts of NATO have declared Russia a terrorist state. Now, it doesn't look to me like anybody is wanting to discuss a peace plan. Somebody constantly pushes the war. Now, it's not the people of Russia. It's not the people of America. And it's not a lot of the NATO states. The United States and Britain are pushing this war for a confrontation as hard as they can. Now, if you listen to Colonel McGregor, one of my favorites for a resource, he will go through everything and he tells you NATO and the United States cannot make an offensive move at this time. The United States Army has 450,000 troops, 150,000 of those which would actually fight. Now, if you subtract the 28,000 that we have in Korea at the DMZ, we subtract the troops we have in Japan, the troops that are in Europe, the troops that are all around the rest of the world, we couldn't muster a 75,000 man fighting force. Now, when you're pushing somebody the size of Russia to war, do you really, is that really a good idea? I think that's the biggest mistake our politicians are making. I think we're all going to suffer for that. And Germany is about ready to go bankrupt. They are the powerhouse technologically, uh, manufacturing everything else for Europe. They don't have gas. They don't have enough food. Uh, their economy is going to shreds. Yeah. Italy has said, we will provide humanitarian aid only. The French are going with the humanitarian aid only also because if their army is engaged in a conflict, they have ammunition for four days. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't last very long. That's not even going to get me across the border. And so it's going to be a it would be a problem. Yeah, we look at the let, let me interject here, because um, another sure. thing that, you know, should be in the back of our minds with all of this is that, uh, you know, the U.S. military uh, is woefully unprepared uh, for any type of major escalation globally. I mean, th for the first time ever, the Heritage Foundation has ranked the U.S. military as weak in their 2023 index of military strength. And, uh, you know, why is that? Well, in my opinion, it's because we've spent decades in unnecessary, you know, wars, uh, you know, trying to search for the elusive weapons of mass destruction or babies in incubators or all these false flags that have been known to be false. And by the way, with the first Gulf War, if our listeners don't know, you know, there was a, a gal that testified before Congress that we've got to go in and topple Saddam because they're they're taking babies out of incubators. Well, it's now known and admitted that that was an actress from Hollywood who was paid to go and lie before Congress and pretend to be an Iraqi eyewitness of that, and it never happened. So there's a lot more going on. And I have the greatest respect for our military. I've said in my books that I come from a long line of military uh, per personnel, my father, my grand, both my grandfathers, uh, aunts, uncles, you name it. So I certainly respect our military. And there are a lot of great patriotic, God-fearing men and women in our military. But as a whole, starting with the woke leadership, and, and starting right now with our commander in chief, of course, uh, we are not prepared. We've expended resources. And if, you know, China and Russia, you know, ally, I mean, I, I thought it was interesting how you speculated that perhaps it was China uh, that whispered in 
uh, Russia's ear not to go into Japan. You didn't use those words, but that was kind of what you were saying. Well, that that just further indicates there could be this strengthening relationship between China and Russia. And as as mighty as our military is, I find it difficult to see, especially with PDD sixty that we talked about last time, uh, how we could you know really uh, survive against a a combined onslaught from Russia and China. And of course, that's the Luciferian goal. Keeping this all in the picture of, in the context of the biblical picture, they're trying to bring down America because America is the one thing right now standing in the way of the Luciferian agenda. So anyway, I just thought a lot of that was was interesting, and and I do wonder uh, about our military strength. Well, our military, I'm with you. I think it's one of the best militaries in the world, but nobody can sustain four theaters of war. We're looking at problems with Iran. Iran is supplying Russia with drones, bombs. Uh, they're getting ready to manufacture missiles for them. They're also becoming very antagonistic and in the face of the United States and Israel. They are no longer scared about doing anything they want to do. And what I find especially interesting, on Thanksgiving evening, the Syrians moved 200 munitions over to Hezbollah into um, that area where they're at, and they're containing poisonous gas. So now Hezbollah has 200 munitions with poisonous gas to use against the Israelis. Now, we know that in the end times, the Bible says the great city will be destroyed. Everybody believes that that is Damascus, and I think that's probably right. So as you see, if they're moving those kind of munitions to Hezbollah to use against the Israelis, Iran is constantly going after it with the Israelis. Syria is starting to fight the Israelis. Now, Syria is a mess. Syria on the south is engaging with Israel. Syria on the north is fighting against Turkey. The Turks do not like the Kurds, and the Kurds are supported by the United States. So we have a NATO ally fighting against the same people we support. Now, as I mentioned before, I see Turkey leaving NATO very soon. Turkey, Russia, China have an energy pact, which is going to start a completely different scenario than has ever been there before. And their cooperation is going to be back and forth. Uh, they really have no reason to stay in NATO. They don't want Finland. They don't want Sweden. They're attacking the Kurds. And frankly, they don't really care about what the United States thinks on many things. So we're going to watch Turkey tear away. Now, we look at all of the countries that are going to be present in the Ezekiel 37 and 38. Now, currently, they have what is called the CSTO. That is the Collective Security Treaty Organization. That involves Armenia, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan. Russia and Tajikistan, the other countries that are going to be present in the Gog Magog War are Ethiopia, Sudan, Iran, Turkey, Libya, and possibly Saudi Arabia. So when we look, we have Turkey moving towards the Russian sphere of influence. Iran is already there. Ethiopia is there. Libya is there. And Saudi Arabia just become more of an ally to Russia in the last month, now, Mr. Biden really upset them when they called when he called them a pariah. They're not going to forgive it. They're going to cut their oil production. And now they're going with the Russians. So all of the armies necessary 
for the Ezekiel 37 and 38 war are just about congealed into one. Yeah, and to clarify, it's 38 and 39 is the Gog and Magog. Oh, okay. Yeah, 30, 37 is the Valley of Dry Bones. And yeah, the, okay. the Dry Bones, yes. is, it's all part of that for sure. And and let me go yes. back to something you said, too, about Damascus. There, there is an Old Testament reference to the great city being Damascus, but in the book of Revelation, the great city that has a part in the uh, tribulation period is Babylon, and the text makes that clear. So I just want our readers not to be confused by the two different great cities there. Yes. Yes. Two other things that have happened. Russia had um, missiles in Belarus. They have now moved them to eastern Ukraine for their theater, theater of battle. And we noticed that um, Patriot missiles all of a sudden showed up in Poland the other day. So that is another threat to Russia. Russia is probably paranoid. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Putin abdicates very quietly, leaves the scene because he's in very Ill, Ill health. Um, we don't get to see a lot of current pictures of him. And something interesting that came up last week, I went back and looked at Vladimir Putin in photos and uh, commentaries and stuff that were 10 years old. And then I looked at some of the um, Putin stand-ins that are available now. If you look at the right earlobe of Vladimir Putin 10 years ago, and now, it's mysteriously changed. Now, the earlobe does not change unless you've had surgery. There are no scars. There's no mention of a surgery. So obviously, stand-ins are doing much of his work right now. I would take it that he is probably in his mountain retreat, along with some of his generals, some of the oligarchs, and that's where he is in his final days trying to make all the plans he can. So I don't think we really get to see Putin I don't know if he's really aware of everything that's going on, but I'm pretty sure his plan is Ukraine could either surrender, for lack of a better term, or he's going to move all the way through. And that's beginning to be the consensus of a lot of people. It was a very yeah. popular theory a couple of weeks ago, but it is now. Yeah. And so on Putin, I, I, I see a little bit, see it a little bit differently. I don't, I doubt that he's going to abdicate. Now, we never know what we don't know, and there's no question that the Luciferians are known for using doppelgangers and actual, you know, uh, fake images of world leaders. And so, you know, who knows uh, who's really pulling the strings over there. But if Putin is still alive and if it's the, the real Vladimir Putin historically, I think what is more likely the case is that the the powers that be, the Luciferians, are provoking him and 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 really filling his head with thoughts and plans, and they're going to use him as a puppet to instigate uh, this uh, coming World War III. And by the way, we know World War III is coming. Uh, the only question is, is the church still here when it happens? Um, but uh, I don't, I doubt, I, I have trouble, I mean, I, I think you know more about it than I do, of course, but in my mind, I have trouble envisioning a time when Putin uh, publicly steps aside and someone else takes the helm. But, you know, who knows? Well, I worry about his health because supposedly his health with the cancer, the Parkinson's, et cetera, is much worse than what we know. So when I say abdicate, it's either that or he's so sick he just has to remove himself. Um, I think in the next year, we're going to see him taking much less of a public role until the day he dies. He may very well still be in charge, but there will be a puppet placed 
in there. Now, and the reason I believe that, if we go back to the Boris Yeltsin days, remember how he announced all of a sudden that he was done. This was around, what, the year 2000? There was a new millennium starting, and he announced that Vladimir Putin was going to be stepping in. So with the Russians, you never know. I mean, Putin could be dead for all we know. Yeah. But we know that something is taking place even in the condition he's in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we he's not very public right now, honestly. It's not like he's not nearly no. as public as uh, uh, Zelensky. That's, that's exactly right. Now, when we look at all of this, we go, yeah, we like the U.S. military. We like what we can do. We have to remember that a lot of our stockpile is gone. Um, the Stinger missiles we quit making a few years ago, so they're going to have to start producing them again. The HIMARS, they, the, uh, they're going to have to start the lines to manufacture theirs. But I noticed in Biden's speech about 10 days ago, he said he didn't feel that his submarine-launched ballistic missiles needed to be upgraded. His opinion was that we don't need submarine-based missiles. Now, if you understand the triad, triad, it's the Air Force, the ground-based, and the submarines that we use for defense of the country. Now, my question is, what president in his right mind would want to give up probably the most vital part of that triad because they'll still be here after the initial war starts? And I'm going, is he truly selling us out to our enemies, or is he just not in in control of his faculties. He's making stupid decisions. He is uh, getting more confused every time he's interviewed. And I think, I think Biden's time is coming. I think in the next six months, we may be seeing somebody else step in for him because of his health. Now, I hope, not, not a necessity, but I hope that's what's taking place because he is just not, he is not capable of the presidency at this time. Yeah, I mean, the, the the midterm elections were much ado about nothing, as I predicted they would be. And uh, and that but but I, of course, I never know. You never know what they're planning and, you know, how the Luciferians are going to specifically, you know, roll out their plan. If they thought they had everything in place, I could have envisioned a time when, you know, they had uh, just even more shenanigans with the election that took, just took place. But the fact that it was hyped as a big red wave, and of course, it turned out to be nothing. And the the, the Democrats still control the Senate, uh, ostensibly according to the official narrative. Uh, then that tells me that they are they are just moving the ball forward, and that probably by 2024 is when they're going to be ready to do something major. So I think between now and the next presidential election, plus plus the fact that they're keeping Trump in play here. And uh, for those of you that don't know, I talk about how Trump fits into all of this in uh, chapter, I think it's chapter 11 of my new book, uh, volume two. But uh, the fact that he's still in play, to me, tells us tells me they're setting the stage for something major to happen sometime in the next uh, two years. And, you know, I, you know, as uh, Joel Skousen reported recently, um, you know, I don't think we're ever going to have a, a legitimate election again, honestly, and unless uh, God supernaturally intervenes and he's, he squashes the Luciferian timetable as, as what they're trying to roll out. And he says, no, I, I want another hundred years for, for people to come to faith. I'm not ready to enter the end stages yet. God could do that. As I've often said, God is the ultimate arbiter of the timetable. But uh, barring that, 
I think it's it's game over in terms of elections. Uh, you know, we either have to completely obliterate and do away with all digital vote tabulations and voting machines. There's very few voting machines that are digital anymore, but there everybody uses vote tabulation machines. We either have to completely do away with them, ban them, and go back to paper ballots, or we will never ever have a legitimate election again. Now I've been kind of sounding the alarm about fake elections for 20 years, but uh, it should be evident to everyone after the last two election cycles that this is, it's all a show. It's not an election, it's a selection. So I hate to sound so cynical, but I'm not the only guy saying that. And I think if you just step back and break free from the left-right paradigm and stop seeing life through the lens of Republican Democrat and recognize there's a spiritual battle going on. There's something far greater at play with the Luciferian conspiracy involving Satan, demons, and his human accomplices. Uh, I think people will will need to wake up. That's what we started the program with, is it's time to wake up. Let us not sleep as others do. And, and with all due respect to many of my conservative friends and colleagues who still think that we can win this battle at the ballot box, you're asleep. I hate to say it. <laughs> to your point, look at Maricopa County, Arizona. They have a mess there. They have ballots that weren't counted. They have ballots that were counted twice. They had a large number sent out to people that weren't even registered to vote. So you're right. The elections as they are right now, they're a sham. Whoever they want in there, they're going to put in there by trick, by whatever they have to do. And it's going to create a problem because if we don't correct that before the next presidential election. We're going to have the same mess we had last time. So uh, politics, uh, they continue their uh, corrupt ways. And uh, the game is already decided before we go to the polls. Let's, let's just face that. Now, a couple of things that I've noticed. I've talked, I think we've discussed before, the earthquakes that are going on all over the world. Some of these are getting to be very large. Some of them are in the six range, the seven range. So I did a little research, and um, the California western coast has had a huge amount of earthquakes. Uh, 6.0 in California on the coast, 6.2 in Baja, 5.2 in uh, Oregon, seven in the Solomon Islands, but then I, I went and I pulled up the fault lines and the computer program will show you where the earthquakes are. The San Andreas Fault has had 11 earthquakes in the last week. Now, if I owned land around that area and I was in California, I think I'd take a long trip just to see what's happening because the experts will tell you we are overdue for the big one. Now you look at the fault lines in New Madrid, Missouri, you look at them around uh, the West Coast of the United States, you look in the foreign countries, something is brewing. A lot of this takes place at 6.2 miles, which they use that when they don't know an exact depth, but it looks to me like there is something going on there with the tectonic plates and with the movement of the lava. And I think we're gonna see something serious happening there. I really do. You know, yeah. you can't tell the time, but, I think they're overdue. I really do. I agree. And let's not forget, too, that we have incontrovertible evidence that the, we can create earthquakes. I mean, the yes. mainstream news never talks about that. And the official scientific you know, response is, no, no, it's not possible. But there's all kind of whistleblowers and evidence out there that um, that the Luciferians uh, elite that, that have control of things, they can absolutely uh, generate 
earthquakes, the same way they generate hurricanes. And so uh, this is what the whole geoengineering uh, agenda is all about. And I talk about that in volume one of the book. But I, I've said for quite a while now that there are many weapons in their arsenal that they could use to bring down America that could be economic, it could be uh, some kind of bioweapon or pandemic. Uh, it could be uh, a natural disaster, whether real or you know, created. And that's what we're talking about here with earthquakes. Uh, it could be some type of war or first strike from an you know, enemy nation. Uh, it could simply be civil war. Uh, you know, they're, they're constantly fomenting division, which is right out of the Hegelian dialectic playbook that the, that the Satanists love to use. I mean, just recently here in my home state in Colorado, we had the, the, the devastating nightclub shooting, a horrific uh, people, uh, five people killed, I think 19 injured. And, uh, you know, there, there doesn't matter that these are people that are immoral uh, and engaging in a lifestyle that is an abomination to God. They're people and they died and that's tragic. And they have families and husbands and wives and children. And it's, it's horrible. But of course, right away, the mainstream media is out there talking about how Colorado Springs is a Christian town and it's all these Christians who hate, uh, you know, homosexuals and they're out there trying to kill them. Look, you know, we don't hate homosexuals. Anybody that knows their Bible knows that we're never supposed to hate anybody. Uh, we love them and we we want what's best for them. And we 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 are we hate the sin like we should hate all sin, including heterosexual sin and any sins that we're committing are an abomination to God as well. And we should we should all you know take stock regularly and confess and and make things right with the Lord and make sure that we're pleasing the Lord in our behavior and being holy as He is holy. So when we speak out against the behavior. Behavior, we're not intending to speak hatefully toward the people, but today we've created a society, and this is all by design, uh, where you know if you take a stand against immorality, you are automatically considered hateful. And so, you know, we don't know the the details about this shooting. You never do know whether the mainstream narrative is legitimate or or fake, but whether it was real or a false flag, it doesn't matter. They're using it to foment division and, you know, and also elevate uh, the uh, homosexual lifestyle to a level of normalcy and legitimacy, which of course it, it's already there. I mean, we live in a completely debauched culture and society now. Every mainstream television show and movie has a, a homosexual theme. All the mainstream commercials are highlighting a gay marriage. And so that, you know, it's, it's not like they need to do much more of that to elevate it to a status of normalcy, but that's what's going on here. And and so whether whether it's civil unrest, civil war, well, many of these other things that I've mentioned, they are striving to bring down America because we are the one nation still standing in the way of the complete and utter global tyranny that the Luciferians have been planning for for decades now. Well. And, you know, as a conservative Christian, we are basically portrayed as terrorists. I mean, every politician, they think we are the problem. But yet, yesterday morning, somebody went out and vandalized the property on Focus on the Family. Now, what did Focus on the Family have to do with any of this? Sure, they, they expound conservative Christian values, but they do more good then they've never harmed anybody. They are out there to support people, whether it's through divorce, through it's someone dying or just mental problems, whatever. So they in turn are the terrorists. We aren't. 
We are simply, you know, the gentleman that caused the killing is called himself a non, non-binary human. Well, now, maybe I'm missing something, but that doesn't look like a conservative or Christian to me. So on one hand, they have nothing. They have no idea what they're talking about. They have an agenda. They're going to push it. Biden comes out again against firearms, semi-automatic firearms, because, you know, that is the bane of our country. That's like the person using it is the problem. But again, conservative Christians had nothing to do with that shooting. So the narrative is stacked against us. We're going to see it. Canada now has legislation pending to ban every semi-automatic weapon made. In other words, you won't be able to hold one in your hands. So the sales of these arms are going bananas up there. The ammunition is flying off the shelf because people know what it, what's coming. I think our founding fathers wanted a well-trained militia because they could see what is happening now happening. They knew that government would become corrupt, tyrannical. There would be a time when the populace had to defend themselves. And I believe that time is now. I think it gets worse day by day. You're exactly right. And, uh, and, you know, of course, at the end of the day, if the U.S. military turns its weapons on civilians, it's, you know, it doesn't merely matter how many stockpiled AR-15s you have. You're not going to be able to defeat the drones and the bombs and all of that. But that's not why we need protection. We need protection from the the aftermath of some type of civil unrest or martial law or the the marauding mobs that are coming down the streets. And so, I mean, protecting your family is a biblical concept and being prepared for trouble is a biblical concept, Proverbs 22, 3. So anybody who thinks that, uh, you know, we shouldn't be able to defend ourselves uh, is crazy. Even the Old Testament law talks about uh, laws that that uh, regulate defending yourself, innocent people defending themselves from violent crimes. And so, uh, yeah, I think this is all part of the agenda. You know, we're gonna we're gonna see more and more of it. Some of it's real, some of it's false flags, but together it's pushing an agenda to disarm the populace. Every great nation that has fallen and every tyrannical, evil leader, socialist, communist, Nazi, you name it, has started by disarming the people. And that's uh, it's already happening in many uh, segments of, of this co- great country of ours. Um, but uh, I think they're, they're, we're headed for some type of event that is a tipping point for the luciferians and at that point it's you know they're going to literally start confiscating guns i you know if the lord doesn't come back soon i think that's the trajectory we're headed definitely you know we look at our friend klaus schwab uh he cannot stand the united states george soros cannot stand the united states and then we look at you know their idea of a model country is china So now China is fighting the COVID virus in a massive way that's almost worse than it was a year and a half ago. So they're shutting everything down. And if you were watching the news, you'll see that the iPhone maker in China, Foxconn, uh, just basically had an uprising the other day. The workers are sick of it. The workers want better conditions. They don't want to be shut down because they can't feed their families. Um, That factory, Foxconn, and their other subsidiaries in that area make one half of the iPhones in the world. 
they're not producing right now. So if you want an iPhone, price just went up. Okay. But the thing is, why are they still having so much of a problem with COVID? The United States, we still have it present. Uh, the president was given his emergency powers through April, but Dr. Fauci's gone. I think we're going to see something else besides COVID being talked about shortly. Dr. Fauci was supposed to start his depositions today. I think in a month or two, when those are over, it might be very interesting to go back, see just exactly what he lied about. He makes fun of it. He's trying to make um, excuses now that, you know, that's not what he said. This is how it was supposed to work, but we have him on video. We've had, had him at the news with Rand Paul. And I, I think when you compare the two, we're going to see what a path we were led down for a year and a half that was meant to destroy this country. There was yeah, no other reason to get excited about this. Yeah, let me let me comment on the Fauci developments. Um, <clears throat> he is not a top-tier Luciferian. He's an evil guy, make no mistake. He was clearly a witting pawn in the game, and they have many, many unwitting pawns in the game. He knew exactly what he was doing, and he made billions off of it. But uh, make no mistake, uh, they will either protect him so that nothing will come of it, just like nothing comes of, you know, getting Hillary or getting Obama or any of these things. They're all kind of protected by the Luciferian elite. Uh, so either nothing will come of it or they'll they'll sacrifice him, you know, like they they did Epstein and some of these others. Um, you know, they at some point, you know, they they will turn on these useful pawns in their game and make them the fall guy for you know, all the evil that's uh, happened, but it's definitely boiling to the surface now. I mean, just about any thinking, educated doctor or medical personnel understands the utter danger and terror of these, uh, you know, bio injections. Uh, I mean, everywhere you turn, the, the, you're seeing more and more uh, evidence of it. I mean, I just saw a report, I think it was, might have been this morning or yesterday, uh, that uh, uh, Al Roker, who was a big proponent of the vaccine, he's gotten all the vaccines and boosters, and and now he's hospitalized with blood clots. I mean, this is just unreal. You, you know, I mean, it's just beyond the pale, the number of adverse effects and deaths from these vaccines. Now, you know, some people say, well, I got the vaccine and nothing happened to me. Well, that's fine. They're, I mean, good for you. There are different lot numbers and manufacturing lot batches, and not all of them are tainted. But you better believe that the overwhelming evidence is through the roof. It's exponential in terms of all other vaccine adverse effects since they started tracking this stuff put together. It's 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 off the charts. So, uh, you know, there's no question this was part of their agenda. I write about this in uh, chapter nine of uh, my first volume, the biggest chapter in that book on vaccines and big pharma. But, you know, if people think that somehow Rand Paul and his uh, attempt to bring down the Fauci and his empire is going to amount to much, I wouldn't get your hopes up. That's all I'm saying. I hope he's right. Well, and like I said before, in your books, you told us and warned us about this a year and a half ago. Where has the rest of the media been? Where have all the talking heads been? All of a sudden, what you said is now what everybody's thinking. And I'm going, where, where have they been? What have they been doing? They've been buying this whole line for a year and a half. And so I don't want to be a salesman for your books, but. People need to get them because what we're going to be discussing in the next few weeks is going to pertain 
to what is in those books and it will help them understand some of the subjects. But, you know, the whole Chinese thing, it's more of a closed society. But in doing a little research, I found that China and Taiwan were going to be unified peacefully by 2040. That was their plan. They didn't plan on having a war. They thought they could actually get together and be one country in, you know, 16 years. So now all of a sudden we have war. But people need to remember the Taiwan political parties basically one is for reunification, one is not. Now, there are about 50-50, so the one that's in power now doesn't want reunification. The other party did. Well, there are a million Taiwan people that work in China every day. The Taiwanese, Taiwanese people, when things get tough, they move their money to Chinese banks on the mainland. They don't move their assets and money to us. So that tells me we're making a mountain out of a molehill in a lot of this. The red line for the Chinese, they don't ever want to see a foreign power on Taiwanese soil again. They remember Japan. They remember the other wars. That is where those wars basically started from Taiwan onto China. That absolutely would make them go to a nuclear response now. Now, I know time is getting a little short. I want to mention this because we're going to discuss some really important things in the next few weeks. Just to let you know what I'm looking into. The people in Afghanistan are so dire, they're so poor, they are selling their children for food. Now, that's not the only place all of this is taking place, but understand how nice we have it here, what's taking place in the rest of the world. And when we get into the human trafficking, um, that's something you're not going to want to miss because it is in your town and it is everywhere. Yeah, I, I talk about uh, human trafficking in, in one of the most difficult chapters in, in volume two. It's one that really physically affected me as I was researching it. Uh, I've been researching uh, satanic ritual abuse, child sex trafficking, pedophilia for you know years. Uh, and and putting this book together, I knew I had to have a chapter on that under the spirit of perversion uh, that the anti the spirit of the Antichrist is is you know uh, unveiling now and it's being unveiled now. Uh, so it was a really dark chapter. Um, and already I've received a lot of feedback from people agreeing that man, that was that was tough to read. Some people said they couldn't even finish the chapter. Uh, so I, I do, I think it's a tough subject to address, but I think we need people to be aware of it because uh, it's a it's a an important reminder that this battle at its core is spiritual in nature. There is a cosmic struggle and battle between the forces of evil and the forces of good, between Satan and God. We know God wins in the end, but going all the way back millennia, uh, the the Satanists, the Luciferians. Uh, believe in sacrificing children to the devil uh, through uh, pagan rituals and ancient Near Eastern religions like Moloch and Baal and those pagan gods. And, and they do this because they believe it brings them power and energy. And it's it's sick. It's horrifying. 
uh, but it's happening and people need to be aware of that. And I give all kinds of documentation of it in uh, the book. But this, to me, all of this is just one more sign that we are knocking on the door of the rapture, that it's getting closer and closer and closer. And, um, uh, uh, you know, the the thing things are just, we're basically losing control. Satan even, and the and his human counterparts, the, the co-conspirators of his, the Luciferian elite, are being more careless. And they're, they're thumbing their nose at, you know, secrecy. They're just laying it all out there because they believe it's getting so close to the one world system. So uh, let me kind of wrap it up and we can pick up next time with some more of the uh, uh, breaking news things that, that you have. But that brings us full circle back to what we started the program talking about. It is time to wake up. Uh, is, you know, we can't afford to just go along uh, to get along. We, we, we just, we have to take a stand. We have to be aware as distasteful as it is. We have to heed the command of God's word in first Thessalonians five, when Paul tells us we are not in darkness so that this day, the coming day of judgment should overtake us as a thief. We're sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night or the darkness. And unfortunately, um, Many believers have already been swept up into the great last day's deception, and those who haven't are sort of hiding out in the background, hoping it'll all go away rather than confronting it. You know, we are told in Ephesians 6 that this is a spiritual battle, and we're to put on the armor of God. We're, you know, we are to do battle. We are uh, to be aware that our adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And uh, it might have been okay 50 years ago to sort of compartmentalize that aspect of the spiritual life and the Christian life and daily living. Um, but today it's all bubbling over to the surface and people ignore it at their own apparel. So I just, again, encourage folks that are listening, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. Stop what you're doing right now. Uh, recognize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and place your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. Um, and you do that simply by acknowledging your trust in Him, recognizing that the only one who can forgive sin and give you eternal life, salvation, is Jesus Christ. And so just, you know, talk to him and express your faith in him and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. And I'm trusting you today as the only one who can save me. And then for those of you listening that are believers, again, uh, it's time to wake up. It is time uh, to wake up. Uh, we are uh, living in precarious times. Um, you know, we, we can't drop out of society, move to a mountaintop, uh, but it, it is, uh, you know, darkness is falling and it's time to wake up. So any closing, uh, any closing thoughts, Randy? I just want them to know that in the next few weeks, we're going to cover survival techniques, communications. We're going to go over human trafficking and, of course, current events. But if you can't listen on Friday, listen, because I think they're going to have some very valuable information that they're going to need shortly. Amen. Well, yeah, well, we look forward to having you back on again. Um, again, I want to thank everybody for listening to this Friday uh, podcast. I want to encourage you to tune in Sunday. We'll be live streaming again from Plum Creek Chapel in Sedalia, Colorado. If you're in the Denver area, please come see us. We have a fantastic church, like-minded and sweet spirit, great worship, great music. And I, uh, I speak at nine o'clock and 10 o'clock 
Uh, we have services at nine o'clock and 10 o'clock. I speak at both uh, on Sundays. That's mountain time. It's also live streamed. So just go to notbyworks.org and click the live stream uh, button. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll continue uh, uh, to post videos and uh, podcasts and I'll be reposting a lot of the uh, interviews that I've got scheduled on other outlets. We always uh, get their permission to repost them. And uh, one final note, by the way, this weekend, uh, today is Friday, November 25th, the day after Thanksgiving, all weekend uh, long, Olive Tree Ministries and Jan Markell is uh, playing an interview that we did with them back in May, I think it was, maybe April, April or May. And uh, so I want to encourage you to check that out and, and link that up and pass it to other people uh, so that they can kind of be aware of uh, what uh, you know, what we're all about here at Not By Works. It's an interview where we talked about the spirit of the Antichrist. So it'd be a great, uh, a great thing to pass along to others. So once again, happy Thanksgiving. Hope everybody has a great week and a great weekend. And uh, thanks for being with us, Randy. And you we bet. Will, my pleasure as always. We will look forward to seeing you again uh, next time. Until then, God bless.